Here's what's coming up on today's show. Retirement is a unique journey for each of us. The thought that there is a one-size-fits-all solution is a myth. But what if we told you there are certain universal truths that can guide every retiree? Dive deep with us in this episode as we talk about the individual parts of retirement plans with the foundational principles that remain constant across the board. Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast this week at Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders, financial coach at Strategic Planning Corporation, here with me once again to talk investing, finance, and retirement. And are there universal retirement truths? Definitely are. There's definitely things that are going to affect all of us because we're humans alive on this rock, and uh, things are going to come ha- uh, come across that affect each one of us. But it's the way it works individually that makes every plan a little different. So this week we've got Mike with us and we've got a special guest joining us as well for the first time here on our podcast. Philip Corson's going to be joining us. So we're going to get started with that and bring the guys in. First of all, Mike, how are you, my friend? Hey, Mark, we're doing great today. Uh, Philip and I have been uh, this morning presenting a webinar, I guess it's called, uh, called uh, You Don't Know Jack. Oh, nice. Uh, what do you, like what do you think about that? <laughs> and were you talking to me specifically? Because you're right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It felt like, you know, when we first introduced it. But uh, yeah, we were talking about Jack Bogle, actually, and investing via index funds and the principles that he uh, espoused uh, in his lifetime. Oh, okay. So, nice. Very yeah, cool. But, uh, yeah, but Phil's here and uh, with me, and he'll be uh, joining us today. Um, Philip is uh, an estate planning and elder law attorney, and uh, he has a firm located in South Carolina, serves North and South Carolina. And uh, he's additionally a, an investment advisor with Strategic Planning Corporation, working on his CFP. We'll have that soon, uh, Lord willing. Nice. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, Philip, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you here. So an estate planning attorney with a legacy law firm, correct? Uh, that's the name of your your practice? Yes, it is. Very cool. And serving North and South Carolina, and then also doing financial advising at Strategic Planning Corporation. So good to have you here. Good to have some other viewpoints, Mike. So we should have some fun with this. This will be our first go around having a guest on here. So you and I won't have to talk as much. And uh, we'll see how that <laughs> we'll see how that plays out because uh, we are always talking about something that's for sure. Exactly. But yeah. uh, let's jump into it. Let's get. Let's. We're gonna Sounds do uh, basically ten. I've got ten universal retirement truths. Okay. So we're gonna okay. do five this go round, and then we'll do five on the next episode. Uh, of the podcast, and they'll be dropping in the month of September here. So make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like using. You can find it by typing strategic planning into the search box of those apps or just visiting Mike at his website online at spcinvesting.com. All right, guys, so everybody needs an income plan. I mean, this is a universal truth I think we could probably agree to. You might say, uh, if you have a pension or a Social Security, you don't necessarily need one, but isn't that still truly an income plan? Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. A few years ago, I th- started thinking about, hey, you know what? I am actually kind of getting close to retirement, maybe, if I'm going to do that. And uh, I have not really ever considered Social Security as a piece of the pie for me. And uh, 
So I started looking at that. It was, it was quite eye-opening when I did do that. It, it, it is a, a part of the plan, and it's something that does need to be considered. But most people can't live on just Social Security. Some people can. Uh, they, they, they're they very frugal and know how to do things right. And uh, But most of us, you know, we need some additional income from right. other sources. What do you think, Philip? Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's um, not just that people need an income plan. I think when thinking about retirement in general, that's a good starting point. How much income are you going to need and where's it going to come from? Correct. So uh, Social Security is certainly one piece of that. And financial advisors often estimate or they'll throw out numbers Well, you need 80% of your current income in in retirement. I don't know anybody that really wants to take a, a pay <laughs> cut when they go to retire. Right. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think you need to think about that, take into account inflation and come up with that number. Well, yeah, you know, and, Philip, that's a that's a good point because a lot of people will make that mental sacrifice when putting their numbers together, their back of the napkin numbers. When they come in to see a financial professional for the first time, they might say, "Well, we could make our plan work if if we do this, right? If we cut this or if we if we reduce that." But ultimately, is that really what you want to do? Right? That just seems like that's not you're, you're not going to be happy with that I think in the long run in retirement. Right. Mike, what do you think? Well, I was trying to get myself to think. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, it, it is um, a give and take to a certain extent. You know, people look at what their resources are. Right. And, and yeah. that's something that often has not been done when we start working with someone is what are the actual resources and how do they play into this? It's like, OK, I've got a $500,000 IRA or 401k or something like that. But mm-hmm. what does that mean? I mean, uh, could I just unload that thing over the next few years and I'll be fine? Or do I need to really think about what are my expenses? What will they change to when I do retire? Some things are going to go down in terms of cost. Some things are going to go up. Right. And some will remain the same. So, you, you, you know, it's a good idea just to kind of dig in a little bit. You don't have to get, uh, you know, down to the penny or anything like that. Build in inflation, as Philip mentioned, as uh, an, an idea there so that you're not taking off of your other resources so much that you can't increase that income gradually as inflation causes the cost of living to go up. Yeah. And and uh, put it together. I mean, it, it's something that's uh, it's not too difficult to do, but it it does require keeping in mind a few different components. And inflation is a big one. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's just like anything in life, you know, you got to have a little bit of a plan of attack in order to get where you want to go. So just winging it is usually not a good idea. So everybody needs an income plan. That's certainly a universal retirement truth. What about number two, guys? Everybody needs a plan to address long-term care issues. Now, this is one that if I'm saying everybody, probably most people don't have a plan. They barely even talk about it. Right. Yeah. uh, In fact, Philip and I did a, a workshop back in May, I think it was, or something like that uh, this year on how, how do you handle those things if they come up? And and that's the big word, right? If people kind of like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Yeah, but and it's two out of what? Every three, seven out of every 10? That's a pretty good indicator, Mike. There's three of us right here on this podcast. That's right. One <laughs> of us going to be in a nursing home one day. Right. <laughs> Probably two of us. <laughs> Would you be? That's right. Are you going to visit me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I was going to uh, say, yeah. I want to put my money on me going, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, I mean, with long-term care, there's two ways that you can look at it. You can look at the scary statistics that 70% of people are going to end up needing some kind of extended care later in life. Mm -hmm. You can think about, you know, if the unexpected happened, how would this impact my family? How would it affect the people that I love, that I care for, that I've promised to uh, be responsible for? 
do I want them to have to set aside their lives? Do I want them to have to take time away from their family, Mm -hmm. their job in order to take care of me later on? Or do I want to be able to put them in a position to supervise things if they don't work out exactly like I hoped? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And and I mean, like, you know, it's it's a sweet, noble idea when we say to one another, hey, we are married. We're in this together until the end. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. And many people will do that. But, you know, like you have to be realistic, too. Like my wife and I were talking about a while back and she's like, I couldn't pick you up now. And I'm 46 (laughs) years old. She's like, how could I pick you up off the floor if something happened to you when I'm 70 something? Right. There you go. Yeah. So. Very good. You know, it's 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 a sweet, noble sentiment to care for one another in that way and physically take care of each other. But it's also incredibly taxing physically, mentally, uh, and then, of course, financially as well, even when you're doing it on your own. So got to have a plan. Got to talk about it. That's usually the first hurdle for many people is just having the conversation with each other, but also with your financial professional. All right. Number three. Nobody can consistently time the stock market successfully. Absolutely a universal truth, guys. I don't know about you, but I'll throw my wife under the bus again. Uh, she says I'm not right once, let alone twice. And you got to be right twice to, to uh, time the stock market, right? There you do. You do. And, and the key word in that statement you made initially was nobody. Right. Uh, right. There are people that will uh, present themselves as having some special skill or insight, uh, access to knowledge that no one else has. Mm-hmm. They are either very naive or they're lying to you. And yeah. um, so it's it's it is very true. I think what was it? Bill Sharp said you've got to be right seventy four percent of the time in order <laughs> to just get the markets returned. You know, so just staying in the market and get, taking the ups and the downs, you got to be right getting in and out seventy four percent of the time. If you just want to match that, much less, why would you be spending your time doing something like that if you're highly unlikely to have that percentage of success yeah and you're, you're wasting your whole life doing that kind of stuff rather than enjoying your money and letting it ride yeah you're chasing unicorns at that point there you go yeah it's a it's a it's a tough i mean i think one of the things that makes it really rough philip is if somebody gets lucky right like somebody gets lucky and maybe it maybe does hit a a nice home run with some sort of a stock market pick or whatever then you kind of get this it's almost like playing golf and getting a hole in one on a par three you kind of feel like you've oh i figured this out right it's exactly like that. Um, I mean, you hit you hit that one good shot before you finish the round, and that's what keeps you coming back to the course. And it's the same thing that happens with gamblers in the casino. Yeah, true. They, they hit the hand uh, of blackjack or whatever, and so they stick around um, to let it ride, and then um, disaster strikes. So I think it's um, you know it, it's 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 one thing to look at uh, at your track record. Um, but when you start thinking that you're getting good at this, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about, when you have some some experience of success, it's really attributable to luck. Human nature, you want to think, well, no, that's not luck. That's because I'm smart and I, right. I saw the signs and <laughs> yeah. I knew, you know, I knew what could happen. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's perpetuated too by the news media because they'll bring on, or the financial media, I should say, they'll bring on people that happen to have called, you know, like the big short, uh, the, the guy that uh, knew to short the market to before the 2008. He did not know to short the market. He just saw some things. He happened to be right. Yeah, exactly. And they're all bringing them out now and saying, well, this is what he says is going to be next, you know, and all like that. And 
Yeah, he'll disappear what? off the stage after this when he's wrong. What's so. that? What's that guy's Harry? Is it Harry Dent? I think. Oh yeah, Harry's who's, my favorite. <laughs> who's pre- who's predicted that the stock market was going to hit? Was just going to go in the tank, but it took it like fourteen years to actually happen. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was right. Yeah, he so, was right. He was right. He was right. right. It just it absolutely just took him fourteen years it. to get there. You know, or whatever the exact numbers were. You know, and Philip, you're right because you mentioned the fact of of uh, you know gambling like a, a blackjack hand. I mean, how many times does your buddy, your cousin, your brother, your your niece, your whomever come back and go went to Vegas, lost my shirt? Right. They typically <laughs> don't do that. They typically come back and say, "Yeah, I won." Blah blah blah. Right. So you you always hear about the winners. You don't usually hear about the losers. So uh, number four, nobody knows how long they're going to live, guys. Uh, your job would be incredibly, incredibly easy. You could craft the absolute perfect master, fantastic, greatest plan ever. If we had a little stamp on us that said when we were going to pass away, like a uh, gallon Expiration of milk, right? Date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always I always tell people, if you can just tell me when you're going to die, what you're going to own, what your family situation is going to be, what your wishes are going to be at that time, you know, it, then my job gets really easy. I just design a plan for that. Yeah, yep. be there perfect. Uh, um, what is it? Uh, reverse engineering? Uh, yeah. A great yeah. plan. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and you know, people are either uh, positive about how long they're going to live mm-hmm. or they're negative about how long they're going to live. And um, seldom are they right. Uh, I, my father-in-law used to tell me when he was in his 50s, say, I won't live five more years. And he died at 95. So, I mean, right. multiple times he would tell me that. And it just that's just something we don't know. And so you you need to take the steps to put together a plan for how you're going to make things get to the point where they can support you and then how you take off of them in order to actually support you. You know, and Mike, with that sentiment, we, I, we've said that I've said that on, on this show many times because I do have negative family history, right? So there's a lot of things that people do want to factor in there. There's just like looking at the stock market, there's historical data, right? There's historical data to your family's longevity that you could certainly account for, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the the end all be all. You know, my personal philosophy is that I'm not going to live that long into my into my 70s. My mother's 82, but all the men in my family pass away in their 60s. Mm-hmm. But I'm not planning that way, right? We've talked about that many times on the show where if I'm wrong, Great, but I don't want to be wrong and, and be 75 and be broke, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You can have your personal philosophy. Just don't plan that way. Yeah, there you go. There right. you go. And it, it's it's really important to err to the high side. I mean, sure. I, I think about my mom, who is 97. Oh, yeah. wow. That's awesome. If she had you know listened to the experts and statistics, she would have run out of money 10 years ago. At least. Mm, yeah. 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 Yeah, what is it, 85, 87 for women, something like that? that range yeah yeah mm-hmm. great point yeah fantastic so again you don't know how long you're going to live and you could certainly take into account family history but unless you have an actual terminal diagnosis right there's a good chance that you should plan for longevity uh technology and even with a you know even with different kinds of diagnoses i'm a heart patient myself i've had open heart surgery technology is just a, you know continues to amaze in that in wow. that realm so you know, sure. you just never know, right? I mean, my dad was in the hospital for three weeks with open heart surgery uh, in the 80s. I was in the hospital for three days with open heart surgery, you know, a decade ago. So, yeah, yeah. There you go. Wow. Technology, right? All right. Today, you said that was three three years ago when you had that, ten, right? Ten years ago. 
Oh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, today they get you up 30 minutes after you wake up out of it and say, <laughs> right. hey, uh, let's just walk out of here, man. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about that, Mike, is that's actually pretty close. Like the the day yeah. after the surgery, you're pretty much out for about 24 hours. Uh, yeah. They woke me up at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I had it at 6 a.m. the prior morning, and they had me up and walking by 4 a.m., Right. Mm. So they had me moving by 4 a.m. And uh, come Monday, I had a surgery on Friday. Come Monday, they kicked me out, you know, Monday morning. So, yeah, you could you could be right. You know, you could have it now and they might send you home within 48 hours. Who knows? Outpatient surgery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of these days it could be. You never know. Uh, So, again, plan for whatever you think you're going to, you know, if you got what's happening, you feel like what's going to happen. But plan for longevity because it's just there for most of us. Uh, And then finally, our fifth one here for this week, and then we'll come back with the other five on the next issue of the podcast. It's, you know, your money sitting in cash is not keeping up with inflation, guys. And this one right now might throw people for a pickle because they can see 5% happening at their bank or something like that, which is great. We haven't seen that for a long time. But look at the fine print a little bit. It's definitely for short term. Anything longer term than that starts to come back down. But historically, nothing at the bank ever truly keeps up with inflation or outpaces it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and and there is a lot of temptation right now to say, you know, I can have a risk free uh, investment return of five percent of my money. And, and as you were saying, it's not going to be there forever. And it's not the long term way to invest because it's it is going to fall behind inflation. Yeah. Then you've got to make the decision: when is it time to pull the trigger and get out of that? And then jump back into the market and then thinking in terms of, is it a good time to get in the market or do I need to wait until this uncertainty goes away? And mm-hmm. of course, we know that there's never not uncertainty. Yeah. So um, you, yeah, there's a, a whole lot of difficulty. Now, you definitely want to have cash reserves. Yes, you don't want to yes, have sir. everything mm-hmm. tied up and in, in, uh, exposed to the market risk, but you don't want to have it as an investment plan to be in cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and and to that point, Philip, I was just seeing it at my own bank, which is why I brought it up, that it was like 12-month CD for 5%. It's like, okay, that's not a bad thing, right? If you're something that works well for your plan, that might not be bad. But then I looked at the the mega savings one or whatever it was, and I think it was like $10,000 or something for that 5% uh, over 12 months. But then they had like the mega one, and it was only 4%, and it was over 36 months, and they wanted you to do like twenty five grand. And it's like, yeah. well, what does that tell you? That tells you they're not expecting it the rates to stay high for the next three years, they're already starting to drop it, right, as it longevity's out. So, again, maybe short-term it's one thing, but long-term it's probably not the wise move. Yeah, we we joke about it. It's not funny, but we call it going broke safely. Right, mm. right. And, um, it, it, you know, just look at the history. Look at, look at the average um, return. Think about how taxes impact that. And then look at inflation. And it's pretty easy to see that um, the money in the bank doesn't keep up with inflation and after taxes, um, yeah, pretty low return. And historically, it never has. I mean, like, again, we get excited sometimes when we see these the flashy new numbers because we haven't seen them for a long time at the bank. But it still doesn't keep up with it. And they can tell us, tell us that the inflation rates are down now back to 35 or 4% or wherever they're claiming it's at. But I think a lot of us realize that that's only in certain sectors. Other places, yeah. it's still higher than that. And so you're never truly you know, keeping up with inflation, just sitting on cash at the bank. You have to have some, to Mike's point for sure, but you also have to have something truly keeping up with and outpacing inflation for future growth. So 
That's the first five here on the podcast of the universal retirement truths that are going to affect all of us. And if uh, you've got some questions, you need some help, reach out to Mike and Philip. Give them a call. Get on their calendar, whatever you'd like to do. But take some action for yourself at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Lots of good tools, tips, and resources there. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, that way you can check out new episodes as they come out, like our next one, which we're going to have Philip here with us again. And we're going to do the other five universal retirement truths. So, guys, thanks for hanging out. Philip, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been good, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, Mike, I always appreciate you, my friend. And I will see you next time here on Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders, financial coach at Strategic Planning Corporation. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.